As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. Coming to you live again from the husband's office with all the highway noise behind us. I am super excited for today's topic, mostly because the title of it's pretty spunky, (laughs) But, but really it's a good topic that we need to cover for your sake, and that is why the class offered at your local hospital probably sucks. <laughs> Take us away, Stephanie. Okay, number one, don't get mad at us, particularly if you either teach at a hospital or if you have had a good birth class at a hospital, and the only way to know that would be to take another one that was not at the hospital and compare. They do happen. It's like a unicorn yeah. situation, but Definitely every once in a while there can be a good class at a hospital, but it's rare. Yeah, and here's my like preemptive... I don't know if that's the right word. Here's my caution with that. If you are taking a class that is offered out of hospital, mm-hmm. um, I'll name one or two, but it's nothing specific, just so that you, ni- you know what we're talking about. If you take a hypnobirthing or a Bradley birth class out of hospital and you take it by somebody who teaches it in the hospital, it is likely that they have been given different parameters in which they can teach it, meaning they can't say certain things or give you Mm -hmm. necessarily all the information that they would out of hospital because it's under the hospital's care at that point and they have certain policies and practices that they want you to or or preferences even. Sometimes hospitals will say, we don't want women who think that they can have tons of freedom of movement and labor, so please don't teach that in your class. Yeah. That's just an example. Sure. But the point is is that there's a lot more restrictions put on classes that are taught in a hospital. I would say along those same lines, to me, any birth class that you take that's three hours or less, that's kind of a red flag to me that that might not be covering all that you need to know to confidently achieve your best birth. Yeah, particularly if you're a first-time mother. If I could understand a like refresher a refresher course, course for yeah. somebody who's had a baby before and has taken a birth course before, but as a one-time only course in full preparation for your birth, there's no way you're going to get what you need out of that three-hour block. So, great. Um, so let's talk about what is typically covered in a hospital class. What are some things that you would hear? And we'll go over the positives and maybe some you know things that might be lacking. So... Number one, 
hospital policies. <laughs> Woohoo! Yay! Which is good to know. If you're going to be birthing at a particular hospital and you take it at that hospital, that's actually a good thing to know. Okay, I'm going to pretend I don't know. What do you mean by hospital policies? Sure. So when you go to the hospital in labor, there are some things that happen on the way in, and some of those are not absolutely necessary per se, but they are the policy for the hospital. And some of that has to do with insurance or, as you mentioned, preference. So Mm -hmm. a, a policy could be when you come in, we have to give you a vaginal exam in order to admit you. And we have to start an IV and you have to wear this gown. Is all of that 100% true? No, that's not 100% true. What? <laughs> huh? You mean I don't have to have an IV and wear an uncomfortable gown if I don't want to? To quote Jim Gaffigan, because I love Jim Gaffigan. Here we go. Because I love Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> What do you mean? You don't want to birth in a gown somebody died in yesterday? Oh, my goodness. I went there. She went there. He went there first, though. Let's be fair. Blaming Jim Gaffigan. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so hospital policies. Those are some things that are very specific to the hospital, so things that you can expect to happen or good for you to know in the sense that these are things that they expect to happen. Um, So things that you might if you don't want these things for you, for your birth, that you might want to include on a birth plan or have that conversation with Mm -hmm. the provider or just know um, for you and your birth partner, as an example, somebody who's coming with you, that these are things that you're going to want to mention on the way in if you haven't been able to resolve them prior. I I like to explain it to people who, you know, because every once in a while I'll have a friend who um, either doesn't know exactly what I do or they maybe don't care, but... (laughs) They'll say, oh, yeah, I just signed up for this birth class at the hospital. And I was like, okay, just so you know, it's more of a class about what's going to happen to you and less of a class about how to actually give birth. So what I mean by that is a lot of it's going to be what to expect through those policies that they have in place. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so I should have prefaced this with I absolutely took every single hospital class with my first baby that ended in a cesarean birth at that hospital. Every single one that we could. Ooh, I and didn't we spent a decent amount of money on it, which is why I was like, I'm I can't afford this other class. I can't take this 12 week course. Yeah, I must I took everything here. Um we did what would be considered Lamaze breathing for the last 10 minutes of each class. We took, I, I think we met three times. Which is funny because sometimes that breathing pattern, there's a time and a place to use it. If I have a woman who's pushing and we're trying to not get her to blast that baby and cause a tear, sometimes we'll do some, some breathing like that. But the thing about that kind of breathing pattern is that sometimes it can lead women to hyperventilate, which is not a good thing anytime, but that's especially not a great thing during birth. Well, lucky for me, since it was only 10 minutes, like three times, I didn't learn any of it. Oh, okay. It was useless. Good. Michael and I like <laughs> curled up next to each other on the floor with a pillow that we were asked to bring and laughed our way through the 10 minutes. <laughs> like, this is the dumbest. How is this going to help anybody? Anyway. And it obviously didn't, it didn't. help you. It you was useful. Yeah, totally something. useless. Okay. You're also going to, they'll give you, hopefully, a very basic overview of labor and birth. So things like you're, they might mention the three. Um, <laughs> so they'll mention the three stages. Of three birth. stages. I know what they are. Come on. 
Okay, yeah. So they might mention the three stages of birth that your body is going to go through, um, but they're not going to really get into the details. They certainly didn't in ours, and I haven't talked to anybody that really knew about what was going on in their body when they took my class after taking a hospital class. In fact, it was kind of like, wow, I had no idea these things happened. So it's a very, very different um, overview. You might get it summed up like this. Um, During the first stage of birth, you're going to have contractions and then they might tell you, and we might give you some Pitocin to speed things up if they slow down. Slow down. And then in your second stage of birth, that's all about pushing. Don't worry, we're going to tell you how to do it and, you know, count it's, it's with very, you. It's very... It's bare bones. Bare bones. Yes. Perfect way to put it. Um, they're also going to go over what to expect at the hospital, which can be useful to know, um, but it's not going to help you birth your baby. And what to expect at the hospital would be things like, when you believe you're in labor, you're going to come to this floor, and you'll mm-hmm. go to this room, and it'll Park look here. like this. Yes. So We offer ice chips in many different flavors, but exactly. you might not be allowed to have any if your doctor has given orders not to have any. So I don't even know that they if they say that. They probably you, I don't. don't even feel like you don't even get a warning. That's true, because a lot of times hospitals may not want you to eat or drink during labor, depending on how old school they yeah, are. Yeah, okay. Mind you, we're in Utah here. Utah is very birth-friendly. Yeah. So I would say the majority of the places, if you were coming to us from another place, it's going to be a little different for you. Yeah. It would be a minimal amount of you that would have um, really, really birth savvy leaning hospitals that you're attending Mm -hmm. so um that's not to say hospitals are bad or that providers are uneducated in that way it's it's just i feel like we get into these it's just um, a different approach a different approach and um routines Mm -hmm. of you know awfulness (laughs) that continues (laughs) can't believe you just said that okay okay joan gaffigan okay um they won't tell you but you can ask. This is something that you would not learn in a hospital class, but you absolutely can ask while you are in there what their cesarean rates are, how often they have people on Pitocin, how often they induce. Um, all those rates are available to you, but you do have to ask. They're not freely given by any means. And that can change provider to provider and hospital to hospital, but in a hospital class, they're not going to openly share all the details with you. As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. And then usually they conclude the little mini powwow course with a tour of the labor and delivery floor. Now, mm-hmm. whether or not please don't take the hospital class. That's kind of the point of this episode. (laughs) But if, you know, no matter how you are choosing to birth, you should absolutely, or how you choose to prepare for birth, you should absolutely take a tour of where you're going to be giving birth. Yeah. Um, That's something we encourage our students to do, whether that's a birth center or a hospital. Obviously, if you plan to give birth at home, you are pretty familiar with your home. But anyway, the point is, 
a, a hospital tour is a good place to ask a lot of these questions that you were mentioning. What is the cesarean rate? What's the induction rate at this hospital? Um, you know, ask the questions. Are mom and baby separated at all within that first hour after birth, typically? Um, the other thing, too, and I just want to mention this here, that it's also important to find out what your care provider's specific cesarean rate is. Mm -hmm. And if you are working with a practice of doctors, so you don't know who's going to be on call, you may want to find out what each of their cesarean their rates are. Rates are. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they, they should know that. Yeah, they have to collect those stats. I think it's important what you mentioned here. Um, taking a tour of wherever you're going is a wonderful way to kind of vet where you're headed. So mm -hmm. that's why we don't take it at 36 weeks. <laughs> you can, and you can switch it up. Um, but if you think you want to be birthing at a certain location, I would say tour it early in your second trimester. Yeah. Um, because when you start asking those questions, for example, if I know I want a natural birth and I know I don't want an IV and I know that for myself I don't want a gown. Now, these are actually things that are important to me. I have to be in my own clothes and stuff. I know, Courtney, you were comfortable in the gown. Yep, or, I mean, didn't mind it. Yes, so, and, and I, the majority of women, actually, that I've supported as a doula are comfortable in the gown. So these are, like, my things. So say that I mention some of these things or I ask about um, immediate skin-to-skin -skin or kangaroo care or any of these things that's a great time to get an idea of the reaction that you're going to get mm -hmm. going through that location. So when I ask these questions at a hospital tour, um, the sweet nurse was annoyed. She got oh, yeah. frustrated. And I thought, wait, what? The, why would you be mad about this? I, did, I was right. honestly confused, but it was a, a real heads up to like, the nurses are the ones that are going to be overseeing your care at a hospital. You a need... lot of times, especially if you're delivering with an OB, um, they stop in. They usually say hi, mm -hmm. you know, a good one will. And and then a lot of times they're pretty um, they're uninvolved or hands-off. I wouldn't say uninvolved, but they're kind of hands-off. You don't really see them much until right at the end when you're getting ready to push. And so who you're interacting with the most during that time period is actually your labor and delivery nurse. And I have to say, I have had three of my four children were hospital births, and every single time I had an, a stellar labor and delivery nurse, and I was so grateful that's for wonderful. them. But I know that that's not everybody's experience. And in fact, I've supported women at births where we I finally had to go with the husband because I don't make decisions for the birthing couples. I'm just there to support them. But where he had to go out to the nurse's station and say, can we, is there somebody that's a little bit more supportive of the kind of birth we're trying to have? Because right now it's, my wife's very upset and it's hard for her to concentrate on what she's trying to do. Now, wait a second. You can do that? I know. I probably... I bet they would teach you that in the hospital class. No, they would not. My word. No, they would not. So anyway, Stephanie's right. You kind of want to pay attention to um, the, the kind of response that you get. If they are just matter-of-fact answering your question, it doesn't seem to phase them. Um, great. That sounds like a great place to give birth. But if you find that every question you're asking... Um, is met with some hesitation or even some frustration, then that might be a red flag for you that that birth location might not be the best fit for what it is you're wanting. Now, some of you may be wondering, <laughs> maybe again, this is its own episode, but what do you know to ask on a birthplace tour? In fact, we're actually going to offer you a downloadable bonus with this episode where you can have all of our birthplace tour questions. 
Woo-hoo. I'm excited for you guys to have that. That'll be a good yeah. resource for you. You know, and something we need to mention here, so it's really easy for us to say, if this isn't working out for you, get a different provider and go to a different hospital. Sometimes that's not an option. Depending um, on insurance or where right, you live. Or location. Mm-hmm. And so don't be discouraged if that's the case. Use the, the tour of wherever you're going. And we're, when I, we're talking hospital now, that's where the majority of women are going. But this can be hospital birth center or your home birth midwife. Um, when you're asking these questions, make sure that you're getting the information so you know how you'll have to um, respond when it's time to be able to get what you want. So if you still have to go, to, if they're getting the negative feedback, as an example, like I did from the nurse when I was asking these questions, I was still planning on going to that hospital. So then I just knew, okay, that's how they're going to respond. So so this is how I want to act coming in. I don't want to have to have my fists up, but I do want to know where my boundaries are. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just a good way to um, – that way as well. Yeah, you kind of – you need to understand what your personal priorities are. And like Stephanie and I established in the first episode, that might look a little different for each of you. But – you know, if you're willing to compromise on whether or not you birth in your own clothes or wear a hospital gown, that's sure. that's good to know. But there are yeah. going to be some things that you really don't want to compromise on, if at all possible. And so you need to be prepared to understand how to respond in those situations. And really, your partner needs to know how to respond in those situations. Because I always say that mom's job during birth is just to focus on working with her body and working through that birth um, it's really the partner's job to speak up on a lot of these things if you're if you're met with some interference. And so I think that's another reason why having a prepared partner is so important. And again, that's one of the things that I didn't I don't feel like is really covered in a hospital birth class is yeah. how to prepare the partner to support you, the birthing woman, in your role. Well, and back to what we talked about really quick just from our previous episode about um, having uh, your birth team, that birth support. So if your birth partner is not somebody who is going to be comfortable for one reason or another, standing up for those things, um, that's when having somebody like a doula can be really, really positive on your team. Not that that doula is going to step up and say those things for you, um, but that she can encourage and support the family in being able to get what they want. I know that there's been several times where um, I don't talk directly to providers, but I do talk to families in front of providers. So when they're giving information, Mm -hmm. I can say, you know, did you fully understand that? Or this is what he mentioned. um, Are you interested in these things either? And, um, you know, sometimes that's met with a little resistance or a, a stare from a provider. But what it does is it gets mom and dad or mom and partner all of the information. So um, I, I think it can be a really good thing to bring somebody in in that situation as well. Absolutely. There's been times, and maybe this is a tangent, maybe we'll just roll with it or maybe... Do the tangent. Okay, the tangent. So I there's been a handful of births I've been at where baby's position within the pelvis is causing a slower labor pattern Mm -hmm. and when the woman is presented with options usually the only option presented is pitocin that seems to be the go-to for well this you know if a labor pattern is not strong enough the contractions aren't frequent enough pitocin is often the answer and I was able to there you know to say there are other options and some of those might be we can do, you know, rebozo work, which it's okay if you don't know what that is. Your doula should know what that is. But um, let's do this because that can sometimes change baby's position and things will pick up. Or here are some natural ways that we can try and get this birth going 
a little bit better. And, you know, from there, it's up to the couple to decide what to do. And they are free to pick whichever option. My job is just to present the information and implement as needed. Um, and, and that's really quick. That's the beauty of having someone like a doula or somebody else or your birth team in general, maybe that could be a midwife or your provider that's really on board offering those suggestions because then mom can trust her intuition. She mm-hmm. can take those five suggestions and say, I know it's that one. Yeah, and I, I have to preface this by saying these are, we're generalizing these scenarios here. Absolutely. Obviously, if, um, if mom has been laboring for days and days, maybe with a broken bag of waters or something like that. Which, or high blood pressure or other. Right. Then that would, that would sort of change the course and the approach. And so we don't want to make it sound like you, you shouldn't ever listen to what your provider is recommending. In fact, I would hope that the point of all of this is you need to select, if possible, a birthplace you trust and a provider that you trust because if you have those two things in place and you trust them then when they make a recommendation and explain the current situation and you being prepared with a birth course that's you know helped you to recognize um your options your options in different situations you guys can work together then instead of feeling like well i don't know and so I need to go along with whatever they say. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a perfect place to end that thought there. Um, let's talk about what a good class should teach you. And this can be out of hospital. It can be an online birth course. Um, but <laughs> it's likely not the um, couple of hour thing that they're offering at the local hospital. I'm just going to come right out and say, please don't take a hospital birth course. <laughs> We're going to get in so much trouble. I know. I know. And, and that's okay. There are great birth courses out there. I'm biased. I think ours is the best. But just <laughs> trust us when we say that that hospital birth course isn't really going to teach you how to get the kind of birth that you want to have. Yeah, it, because the thing about it is, like we've mentioned before, it's not about if you're having medication or not having medication, if you're doing an epidural or going completely natural. It's about um, knowing your options so that you have them, right? Yeah, also knowing how to work with your body yeah. through each and every stage of labor, how to know exactly when to come in and when you can labor at home for a bit. Yeah. What so, are some yeah, other things? Let's go into those things. That, this, is, this is part of what a good course teaches you. In fact, a good course starts you off early with stuff that prepares you for success by making sure that you're um, getting your body prepared to, to do the things that you're asking it to do. So as an example, our first class is about pre, um, nutrition and exercise. You know, the best thing that we can do is to not have a problem in the first place. So if we want to have a lot of options, then we treat our bodies right as best we can. It's not that things don't come up, but we do our best to prepare our bodies so that we're not dealing with things that could have been avoided later. Yeah. If the, you know, sometimes options get taken off the table, and this is probably just another way to say say what you just said, but sometimes options get taken off the table by something that maybe could have been prevented mm-hmm. with better nutrition or, mm-hmm. or exercise. And so I really like that that's the first thing we teach. Yep, absolutely. Um, the other thing is what's going on with your body and your baby during birth. I didn't hear at all until I took a really good birth course that um, my baby was really involved in everything that was happening during labor. So they 
your baby is actually the one that sends the signal to your brain that says, hey, we're ready to go. And then that's what starts contractions. And then during that whole process, your baby is moving and wiggling and turning and pushing and doing all these things to get them safely through that birth canal. So I think having an understanding then of what your body is doing, what your baby is doing, and then you kind of have a clearer picture of how to help both of those things along. And your partner has a clearer picture of what they can do to help both of those processes. Well, you, yeah, you brought up a a really good one. One of the most common things that we see is a, a baby in malpositioned right? Mm-hmm. But how would you know that if you don't know what your baby's doing inside there? Or what position they should be in. Right. Yeah. So th- all those things make, those are what's going to make for your successful, for your best birth. Um, because <laughs> we can go on a tangent on this too. But if you can, kind of like that preparation, like we had talked about before, here we're talking about nutrition and things like that to avoid certain things when we get into to labor. You know, malpositioning of a baby is huge because that, mm-hmm. that can create more discomfort or pain. Um, it can create a longer birth. And all of those things are, I mean, if you could have a more comfortable birth, wouldn't you want that? Of course. <laughs> and I think a lot of people just assume that, well, babies in pos- whatever position they're in know so much of that can be controlled. And so we give you those exercises to help you get baby into an optimal position before birth happens. And that's actually, I just have to say right here, we give those to you for free as well. So if you go to www.myessentialbirth.com and you scroll down just just a little bit, you'll see there a three exercises for an easier, more comfortable birth that you should start doing now. Those are some of the ones that we talk about. So download that free guide, get that, start doing those every day in pregnancy and it's going to really help to make sure that baby's in an optimal position for birth. Yeah. And again, it's easy for us to say, do all these things and it'll be perfect. That's not what we're saying in case that's what you're getting. Do these things and it will prepare you. Most likely, the majority of you, it will do these things. There's always going to be an exception to the rule. But that is another episode as well. where um, you know, There's exceptions to the rule and we have solutions to them. So when we're talking about malpositioning and stuff, maybe you've done those exercises your whole pregnancy and maybe for whatever reason, and that's in your birth, you can't see inside of there, you know, maybe baby's got a cord in a certain direction or whatever. And they're, or they're just turned this certain way for whatever reason, you know, we have a lot of skill and Mm -hmm. a lot of resources and and stuff for the birth partner to do that can help move that baby i think even during the birth itself absolutely yeah have been really successful with a mother who has had a posterior baby or um, and a posterior baby is a baby who's they're turned um sunny side up in your pelvis and they're causing that back labor where you're feeling all those contractions in your back yeah stephanie and i have both attended births where the mother is having you know, some discomfort and maybe a longer labor or slower labor labor because of that little posterior baby. And we've been able to use certain tools and techniques to get that baby moved in the pelvis itself during birth. It's the coolest thing in the world. And immediately she, I remember one time. Like putting a key in a lock. No, seriously. I had a mom and I, I told her, I said, your job is just to keep relaxing through these contractions. Let me know when you start to feel those contractions in the front instead of in the back. She was like, okay. And I think it was within three to five minutes. And she was like, oh, I'm starting to feel them in the front. I'm like, okay, we're going to keep doing it because we, we really want to make sure they're, and it was fine. It was resolved. And she 
delivered 45 minutes later. Yeah, it's incredible. It's, it's really, really neat to be on that side of it. So, uh, so uh, things to look for in a birth class is what we're focusing on right now. And we got off on a little tangent, but Which that's one do. of the things that you should know and learn how to do is how to work with your body in, of course, the three different stages of birth, but also how to work with your body through different scenarios that might come up in birth like a back labor type issue. Yeah. Um, Along with that is how your partner can support you. Um, I think, you know, for me, that was one of the things that attracted me to the first birth course that I took is there was was some training for the partner. However, um, it had to be useful training, (laughs) meaning it had to be something that my husband could do and, um, and that was successful, useful. And then he and actually that had liked. to do it. Yeah, and something that I liked. That's true. Now, let me tell you right now, um, we did not do those things oh, <laughs> with no. that first birth course. I was really into it, but he was kind of like, I'll just, and he talks about this. I'm not talking behind his back. He shares it in the birth course. He's like, I'll just wing it. You know, it'll be fine kind of thing. How hard can this be really? Right. Yeah. Like, I, I know what to do in, like, crazy situations. You know, we'll get through it. Well, because we hadn't worked together, I wasn't prepared to hear his suggestions, his voice. I didn't trust him. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I didn't trust him and love him, but I didn't trust that he knew what was going on with my body in that moment. So um, we get you working with your birth partner, and any good class would definitely, definitely include that. Yeah, and there's a lot that a birth partner can do to support a woman in birth and some of the things she's going to love and other things she might hate. So it's funny because we talk about, you know, a birth partner, and I don't know, I envisioned that I would love to have Nate rubbing my feet, massaging my shoulders, and brushing my hair. And some women do love that during birth. I did not want to be touched. Me either. I wanted him to hold my hand. So funny. But I didn't want him to touch me until I wanted him to do a little bit of counter pressure. Yeah. Which we'll get into that oh, another time, so sometime at the end. But I was really surprised by that. But I'm so grateful that he and I had practiced together, that I was we were familiar with all these different options of things he could do to support me in birth because what we discovered in the moment during the birth was that while I didn't really want a lot of physical contact or touch, I absolutely needed his verbal support. So mm-hmm. the things he was saying to me were beautiful and uplifting and, and I wouldn't let him stop. I had my playlist going in one ear and I had Nate saying all kinds of affirmations to me in another ear and that's what I needed. But you don't know that unless number one, you know what all those different things are. Mm -hmm. And number two, if you've practiced them together so that they're familiar. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, Another thing it's going to go over is variations of normal. And we've touched on this a Mm -hmm. little bit, but in other words, when things don't go as planned, you can plan for your most incredible birth, but chances are you might get a little wrench in there here or there. So in other words, what is um, safe and is it might not be what 100% of the other births are doing, but it might still be okay. And mm-hmm. so I, I think any good birth course is going to go over not just the perfect birth. Yeah, variations of normal. And how much of your birth plan can you still maintain while doing that? So I'll just give a quick example here. So let's say that it is necessary for you and your baby to experience a cesarean birth. And well, this is another episode for another time, but 
can we stop calling it a C-section? Let's call it a cesarean birth because yeah. it's still a birth. But you know, you can still have something like delayed cord clamping, oftentimes yeah. even with a cesarean birth. So you know, you don't need to think that just because one curveball gets thrown that your whole plan you have to throw it in the trash. But you need somebody to help you understand what will still be available to me, even if this becomes. Um, our situation. Absolutely. So variations of normal. I think another huge, especially today, thing that a great birth class needs to cover is how to overcome the fear and anxiety surrounding birth. Yeah, I think. Yeah, not and the discussion of birth as well as what can happen to us. I am one of those women that when I get pregnant, um, I actually kind of enter into some depression and anxiety, which I didn't know what to call it until a later time. But I get really anxious, and it's not just the crazy, vivid pregnancy dreams. It's all the thoughts of everything that could go wrong, every Mm -hmm. possible thing that could go wrong. And even with my third birth that I was planning to do at home, so by that time I had some good birth classes under my belt. I had had two babies. I'm feeling pretty strong about what I'm doing. I ran into some massive anxiety about 36 weeks, and I thought, oh, dang, this baby ain't going anywhere but out and <laughs> and we plan to do this at home and I haven't had I've never not had an epidural or met it what am I thinking yeah and um so it was actually my doula that came back to me and said I want you to read these positive positive articles these positive birth stories and then I want you to look over this massive list of positive affirmations about pregnancy and birth and you pick the ones that stand out to you and then you start saying them out loud every single day, mm-hmm. several times a day. And I'm at that point so desperate that that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, sure, that'll change things. Let's try that. Um, but I did. I started doing that. And oh, I, they work, oh, don't they? Oh, my goodness. And I, like, within a week or two, it, was, it wasn't just that it made me feel better. It moved me from being nervous and anxious and fearful to being confident and excited and ready. And I think that that is such a huge thing. So we go, we obviously go over that. Yeah. You know, we've got the meditations that go with it. We, 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 we have, have affirmations. your own affirmation plans. Yes, and, yeah, we've got all yeah. kinds of stuff. And, and I think that it was probably because of my experience. I mean, I know that you're, you support that and you're excited about that too. But I, mm-hmm. like for me, I'm like, you have to do this. <laughs> you know, if yeah. you're having a baby, you better be doing these things. So. Yeah, I think one of the things I hear from women so often when I share my personal birth experiences, which were all four of them, they were different, but they were beautiful and I loved them, you know, and mine, mine were unmedicated, you know, with Stephanie, she had a cesarean and then a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after cesarean with an epidural. And then her third was a home birth. And so, you know, we've got all your bases covered here. But (laughs) one of the things I hear when I share my birth stories with women is, oh, that's the kind of birth I would love to have. I just don't think I'm strong enough for something like that. First of all, that breaks my heart. (laughs) That makes me so sad that, um, that anybody would think that they're not strong enough for something like that. Because here I am, a woman who cries when she stubs her toe. (laughs) And if I can have that kind of, you know, amazing birth experience, you can too. And I think we need to start working on that mental, lay the mental groundwork necessary to get yourself, you know, put away that fear, put away that anxiety and step into a role of confidence. I can do this. I, you know, full of faith and trust and things like that. Yeah, and you can. I think Mm -hmm. we need to dispel that fear right now. You absolutely can. In fact, if your great grandmother could, you can. Yeah. If every person before her birthed, 
and did it successfully, which they must have because you're here, you can too. So yeah. I think that's huge. And then I think the last thing that a birth course should cover, and, and we've touched on this a lot, is you should be able to understand what your options are, what you have the ability and right to refuse, mm-hmm. and and what what you don't. And safely, safely. Safely, safely, right. Um, everything that we talk about within the birth course or that you're going to hear us talk on here is um, it's all evidence-based. We don't just say it because it feels good, you know, um, which is something that we get to hear a lot from providers who are not so excited about um, birthing out of hospital or um, in a more natural way. Uh, everything that we discuss is, is absolutely backed by evidence, not just fluffy, that was that was fluffy. interesting creating the course because there were a couple things that stu- that Stephanie and I thought were true um, because we used to teach them with this other um, birth education course we used to teach, and when we actually went to research them as we were preparing and, and creating the content for my essential birth we couldn't find the studies to back that up. And so everything that we teach is evidence-based and that's so important because then if you have a provider that's going, well, you know, I don't know, we need to talk about that, you can be prepared with the research. We give links to all the studies and things. So you can go in there and say, this is what I'm requesting and this is why, how do you feel about it? And it can really open up a discussion and a dialogue between you and your provider where you feel that you are backed by solid research. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's recap real quick. Number one, don't take the hospital class. (laughs) That is, guys, just don't. Don't even go there. Don't do it. And number two, hopefully we've given you a good list of things that you can find um, for what a good class should be teaching you. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you. 